This is Dave along with Jess. And to you, Dave. Cuz. Going on. And Craig. And my mic just fell off. Adjusting that right <laughs> to the purpose. Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, the, leg- the legacy of Pat Patterson. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And anything we talk about is inspired by the WWE Network. So do yourself a favor and get your free month today to watch anything WWE, WCW, ECW, and more. Guys. Good sell, Dave. Great it's commercial. A, it's yeah, a sad day, and, and I really stretch it, Craig, so you can adjust your microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. You I did. No worries. Yeah. It's my pleasure. Um, but it is a sad day. We are recording this basically on around a 40-hour churn of the passing of Pat Patterson. Say that quickly 10 times. That would be tough. Um, but that's why we're doing this today, guys. It's uh, he, he brings a lot to the industry, good or bad. Thoughts? I have to warn everybody because I'm just yeah. going to get out of the way right now. Just yeah, uh, that we will be shamelessly ripping off Bruce Pritchard's impersonation of Pat Patterson because mm-hmm. it's the easiest and best impression to flow. Database. Mick, Mick Foley's done a good one too, but like just the way he does it, he goes, "Oh, come on!" Like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like it's not even how Pat Patterson sounds, but it's funny. And uh, I'm just going to get it out of the way right now. There are going to be so many Pat Patterson impression impressions that we do. Uh, we have to uh, to do it. YouTube but, uh, might block it. It might. It might find we'll be the tasteful. algorithm. We're going to be tasteful. It's possible. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about something else, but there's going to be other things that I baited should, you on. You should be, that, you should be warned about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Almost, yes to that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but you know, it really, I mean, it, when I was doing the research for this, he is involved. It, for everything that we've ever grown up with, like he probably had some kind of tweak that he added to that or a finish that we've all loved. And you give the wrestlers credit because those are the two or four, if it's a tag match that you see in the ring and uh, you don't realize. And now we realize because the curtain's been pulled back for years now about the inner workings of pro wrestling, but you did not realize when we were kids in 88, 89, 90 uh, and all that, when we first started watching wrestling in that period, uh, he was the man that would probably be the reasoning behind that we got so excited at uh, Hogan's finish with Andre or Hogan and Warrior or what, like so many other people, uh, Warrior and Savage. 
he specialized in making finishes pop and putting the twists on them to get you to ride that roller coaster of getting up and then going down, getting up and going down. And Patterson was a professional at that. I mean, he was so good. And dare I say that, you know, everybody always says, uh, did Hogan make it? Uh, you know, would he have made it without Vince or did Vince make Hogan or did Hogan make Vince? I'm like, actually, I think Patterson kind of Patterson. made both of them because if he didn't have people like Patterson and Monsoon to name the two top ones, uh, I don't think Vince would have made it in that sense. If, if that yeah. makes any sense, I don't know. Vince is, and that, that is a smart owner, by the way, it doesn't mean that Vince is any less intelligent or Vince doesn't have his finger on the pulse of a certain style of wrestling. I'm sure Vince, you know, he grew up in the industry, so he has his own way, but he was smart enough. And most owners or bosses that the successful ones are smart when they surround themselves with people that offer something that they know they don't give. And yeah. that is what Patterson did. He was not like Vince at all. And he was not shy about telling Vince, you should do this. Like, this is what you should do. Or I hear the groundswell, or I hear the guys talk. I hear the crowd. Vince, you need to do this. And Patterson was super influential in all of that, especially during the Hogan run. Go ahead, Craig. Sorry. Yeah, I think Vince McMahon, even in, in Patterson's autobiography, he wrote the forward and said, um, not only my best friend of 40 years, but um, even gave props of the WWF wouldn't be who it was without Patterson. And I think as Jess said, and we'll talk about later, he was a guy that one of many, many few people in the world that would tell Vince, no, here's how it has to be. Um and there's a wonderful quote in one of the articles reading about Pat Patterson. His life is like, everybody needs to be produced. And he did it as a wrestler, producing people in their matches. He was a born producer and he was not afraid to say, this isn't working. Stop being set in your ways. This is kind of how it needs to be done because inevitably wrestling is a creative endeavor. And when you think about Pat Patterson and from wrestler in the 60s and 70s in, in smoke-filled kind of rooms where he reinvented it to uh, inventor of the Royal Rumble to uh, the man who came out with the, the, the best matches of the last 40 years. Like, it makes sense that in 2020, this fucking year, um, might as well end with like, the greatest mind in wrestling dying right before it ends, um, who had a hand in the 70s, 80s, 90s aughts, and who knows, probably the, the 10s. But, like, we'll talk a lot about it, but, like, you never quite knew the man's impact. But I think you uh, you did when you heard about his, his death, and everyone's flawed, but, my God, what Pat Patterson did for the business. I mean, we're here to talk about it. Yeah, because uh, what do you have to say from your massive throne and mic drop, um you know, imaging that we see here. I was going to say, uh, you know, obviously you guys, when you guys started watching wrestling, that was more closer to his time, even though he had already, I believe, retired, what, in 81, 82, something like that, right? That sounds right. About right. Well, uh, he, uh, you know, when, yeah, he retired from the ring in 84. Oh, 84, roughly. okay. For Sorry, for did, I get you? did I get you? You did. Yeah. I was spit that shit out. He's <laughs> um, like, it doesn't matter. I was respectful, because just remember <laughs> that. I was respectful. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> um, no, but what I was going to say was that uh, once I started understanding wrestling more, you know, when I was introduced to Pat Patterson, it was during, you know, the, the run with Stone Cold and Vince. And to me, they were just the studios. I knew they were wrestlers, but, you know, little did I know later on that he was, you know, behind the creation of one of all of our favorite matches, uh, first Intercontinental Champion. Um you know, how much influence he had backstage 
making all those great finishes that he's made over the years. I didn't realize, you know, how much, oh shit, I was already being affected by Pat Patterson where you guys, you know, you were coming off the tail end of his career. So you guys knew who he was and growing up and you guys uh, started watching wrestling way before I did. So it's like, you know, yeah. Pat Patterson's done a lot of the business and I, you know, I've recognized that over the years and it sucks that he's gone, you know? Yeah. He was one of the only guys that could tell Vince to shut the fuck up and, you know, let's do it this way instead. Yeah. There you go. Oh, Vince. Dave like Vince shut the fuck up, too. Shut the fuck up, Vince. Oh, Vince. Shut the fuck up. Baba, shut up. We know. Oh. Everything was on Mania 1. We get you it. You must we have strength for strength, Vince. <laughs> WrestleMania 6. Um, All right. You guys ready to get into this? Yes. And by the way, Chess uh, really loves throwing notes on me at the last minute that I can't really ask questions about. So I'm going to butcher a lot of these. Uh, Correct. Correct. French, yeah. you know, Delve names. So just, you know, enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, while I go through it's, it. David's Rougeau brothers. Rougeau? Yeah. Oh. Rougeau? Oh. Yeah. Pat Patterson was born in 1941. Real name, uh, Pierre Clermont. On January 19th, 1941, in Via Marie of Montreal, Quebec, Canada, he began training to wrestle at the age of 14 in L'Orsiris, St. Jean Baptiste. What's up? Oh my God. Patterson was raised Roman Catholic and was an altar boy. He expressed interest in becoming a priest, but was steered away because it was known to be, he was known to be too adventurous. Um, Yep. I also want to be a figure skater and also born extremely poor in the poorest part of uh, where I was at Montreal, wherever he's from. So interesting yeah. life for um, just for Montreal, future yeah. for future Pat. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's that's where he came. So could not be a priest. He was a little too adventurous is what they would say. Um, uh, they didn't stir too many other people away, but we'll, we'll just keep going. <laughs> Early wrestling Mark career. Twinkle wrote a story about it. Yeah. Pierre, <laughs> we don't like people who are adventurous here in the priesthood. Perhaps you'd be more fitted in. If you catch my drift. The wrestling world. Yeah. Pierre. Oh, come on. Come on. He's like a little boy. Come on. Oh, come on. I, I just want to be a priest. Get this uh, Bible off the ass, man. <laughs> because... <laughs> This church needs production. I can't stand <laughs> it. Uh, so Patterson started his uh, career in 58. We're going to do a 58-79 span. That's funny. He debuted in Quebec in 1958. He was known as Killer Pat Patterson. When you don't have a name for someone, you just That's put just Killer in front of so it. So stupid and generic. Despite I'm going to kill you tonight. Because like I am promo. the killer. Oh, God. Kisses. And he Despite knew, speaking no English, Patterson exactly. went to the Didn't United States English. in 1962 and eventually became a U.S. citizen. That's a big deal. He worked for a big-time wrestling company out of Boston. It was there he would meet his long-term life partner, Louis Dondero. He would also wrestle in big-time wrestling's San Francisco territory. Pat was recruited by Mad Dog Vachonne for Pacific Northwest Wrestling Promotion. Aware of his homosexuality... The promoter encouraged Patterson to develop an effeminate character that wore lipstick, sunglasses, and a beret to be known as Pretty Boy Pat Patterson. Um, This is interesting because people want to talk about 
openly flamboyant wrestlers. Goldust comes to mind. We talk about Goldust ahead of his time. Goldust is certainly not a homosexual person. He, but he portrayed that. This is where um, I, I don't think people understand that wrestling portrays so much that you could be openly gay and you could make it work if in, in the right circles. Not saying it would work everywhere, but this is kind of where people were like, it's fine. Use it. No, I think uh, I think I think people didn't um, he didn't hide it, but he also didn't flaunt it. I don't think he ever tried to his gimmick to be any uh, any in in any open way. But it's Um, a lot easier to bring this up. Right. Right. But as a guy that like um, didn't speak any English, that got some bus money and went to Boston and managed to finagle his way into Boston wrestling. And imagine just getting into wrestling anyway and busting into like the carny business. Um, It took talent like. For, for for that to happen uh with with Pat. Um and then you'll hear Louie kind of the next fifty years that he met that guy and his partner for life. But like, yeah, I didn't think um he spent a lot of time, I think, convincing people that uh not to be afraid of homosexuals and his lifestyle, but I don't think he flaunted it and a lot of people didn't didn't know. Yeah, I think it. it was more of a badge of honor for him to yeah. wrestle as a straight person. Yeah. Because it would be easy. You gotta think, uh, you know, Dave was touching on it. Goldust, not homosexual, and Dustin Rhodes is not homosexual. Uh, Adrian Adonis was not homosexual. Gorgeous George yeah. was not homosexual. But Pat Patterson was, but you would think it would be easy for him to be like, fuck it, I'm just going to be effeminate. They tried it here with this, but I, I guarantee you, if you go back and watch this footage, which I haven't, of his, uh, you know, uh, pretty boy Patterson, he probably wasn't as flamboyant as you would think he is. He, 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 again, it's it's the other way around. I, I think, I think there's a, something to that. That flamboyant, he's a yeah. tough guy. He's flamboyant, a tough guy, yeah. Well, he wanted flam- to wrestle, and he he wanted just to be a straight wrestler, a wrestler and not, yeah. not straight as in you know. It's not flamboyant and gay don't necessarily mean the same thing. Yeah, right. Right. No. Yeah. 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 Shawn Michaels. The, there was an interesting like uh, David Shoemaker, who's the um, the mass man on for the Ringer, wrote a great article on Pat Patterson's life, and um, basically said, "I never really thought about it. It's like he lived a." Uh, almost like in two closets. One was his homosexuality and the other was like any other wrestler had to live in kayfabe where you had to pretend your entire life that um, what you're doing was real um, and a shoot. So like imagine living that life uh, plus being um, gay and, uh, and trying to live it like live that way. Like, although he didn't necessarily hide it, there was always some form of even with Louis for like 50 years. I, I'm sure he always referred to him like his friend and never his partner or lover. So what an amazing kind of crazy life that Pat probably or Pierre probably lived a lot of that. his this entire my, life for this, decades. This is my friend. And yes. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm I, I'm proud of this in a weird way that. Out of all the flaws that pro wrestling has and the politics in the back and the people sleeping on their against their wives, you know, constantly you always hear about sure. the, you know, all that and, and the dysfunction and then drug use eventually and all that of all the industries wrestling backstage like they were like, you're homosexual. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Like, for the most yeah. part. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, sure. For the most part. But it's just weird. He ended up becoming a trusted booker even before he met Vince and, yeah. and just, you we'll know, he was super creative. Yeah, he was super creative, and, and it's just kind of – I'm proud of that in a way because of all the negative things you could say about wrestling and that people do say and you know, or they laugh at it or they don't take it seriously. Yeah. Out of all the things, society still is wrestling in 2020 to get over this hump and allow people to be who they yeah. are. Uh, back here, it was like 
Yeah, he didn't do it on TV. He didn't do it in front of the screen. But backstage, everybody, he was not shy about telling people he was no. homosexual. Yeah. And people were like, okay. Promoters were like, I don't fucking care. Like, anyway, when are you going to make, are you going to make the next shot? Like, you want to book yeah, this Yeah, I think it was even like, if you can survive wrestling and the ribbing That's and fine, the old brother. school ways of like, oh, brother. it doesn't matter whether you're black, black, white, gay, straight, or whatever, they would destroy yeah. you. And if you could survive and prove yourself with the boys, like, it you're, didn't matter. Like, yeah, and but, I don't know, I mean, maybe... It's odd to say I'm proud of that because I, I do love wrestling and like I in general and you know I of all the again all the flaws that it has and all the things the negative things you could say about it or the when people laugh well you like wrestling I'm just like dude there's something pure about it and I just take a little bit of pride in that that it was just like they're like I mean I guess it makes sense it does go hand in hand they're all characters anyway right so it's all yeah. about what's gonna draw money I don't give a shit who you lay down with uh, are you gonna yeah. make me a dollar. Are you going to make yep. me $2? Are you going to make me $3? You know, and that's, it's always been straightforward yeah. like that. So and I kind of admire wrestling for that. Wrestling in its essence is a creative endeavor, right? It's, it's, it is sports and it's tough and no one was tougher or stronger and you had to prove yourself, but it's performance. And in that, in that realm, like no one proves herself in performance and creativity than people with a flair and a creativity that, yeah. um, that Patterson had. Yeah. Well, there you go. To, to, to Jess's point, between 77 and 79, he would wrestle for Florida Championship Wrestling, AWA, and NGPW, New Japan yeah. Wrestling. Uh, he won major titles in each promotion, but during his stay at Florida Championship Wrestling, he was able to assist with booking, which kind of gets us into the, the Pat Patterson craft, even though there's a lot more yeah. to get to. And even, um, not yeah. to cut you off, Dave, but even like right before 77, he spent with us, the, the 60, I think it was 65 to 67. I never saw any matches. I think I saw one, but him and apparently Ray Stevens in San Francisco, who camped out for yeah. three or four years, were the best tag team in wrestling for that time. That was the big thing. Before like he went Ray to Florida. Like, they, they were yeah. really good. They were really good. And, and they were big attractions for the AWA too. And the corner to my right, from San Francisco, California, weighing in at 247 pounds, Ray the Crippler Stevens. And his partner, also from San Francisco, weighing in at 243 pounds. That's Matt when he really, Patterson. that's AWA, people don't even talk about it anymore, you know? People, if you ask somebody, today's wrestling fan, who, what are the big three? WWF, WCW, and ECW. Okay, they were three big ones, but like AWA in the 60s, 70s, and 80s was gigantic. And it was, it was almost, as, yeah, and it was still territorial, but it was it was just as known as the NWA. It was just the territory in Minnesota and the surrounding cities and states. Like they, it was a big deal. And like Craig said, that was one of the few wrestling territories that went to San Francisco and, and put their footprint. And again, they, they went and wrestled for big time wrestling out there too, but they took the AWA stars. AWA had influence on the West Coast. There's very few promotions that really, before Vince McMahon Jr., um, even though he, he wasn't a junior, but anyway, uh, yeah. like before he took over and took over everywhere, that uh, that was AWA was a big deal on the West Coast. Most other uh, companies cl or territories claimed East Coast and mid United States. And uh, yeah, him and, and Ray Stevens, like they were one of the best tag teams ever. You hear and people talk about Ray Stevens as like in the realm of like Shawn Michaels, like yeah. and he was also in, in I think in his biography, like Ray Stevens was also a mess and a disaster. But um, he could perform. And admittedly, like uh, Pat always said, Ray Stevens was better than me. But Ray doesn't matter how he, how hard he partied. 
he went to the ring and he was always he gave and he sold for everybody else, much like Pat did. But like in a realm of like and I never really got it. I think we we, we sit here and we're kind of spoiled, but um, never knowing Ray Stevens. But every single old schooler loves Ray Stevens and gives him the same respect in the realm of Flair and Michaels and the people that invented the business and sold for every opponent they ever had. Like and they owned the business for a few years as, as a tag team. And I know we know New Japan Pro Wrestling as just a kind of a promotion right now. Uh, and I'm glad it's made it a resurgence over the last five years in the United States. I'm really glad because yeah, it's totally Pro- different, though, back here. Uh, but back here, yes, it was like it was a badge of honor when you got to go to Japan and you were successful because they only let a certain amount of American wrestlers in. You had to connect with the Japanese audience. And if you didn't, uh, you wouldn't may, you wouldn't be invited back on tours. So he was out in Japan as well and very successful and participated in a lot of their tournaments out there. It was a different New Japan Pro Wrestling back then. It was kind of like a badge of honor, like I say. Now, I'm not saying it's not worthy when people go over there now and you have the Omegas and you have the Young Bucks that went over there for a while and they were part of you know the U.S., uh, a New Japan Pro Wrestling that would come over here and, and help them get some more United States followers. But back then, it was like they U.S. wrestlers would want to go to Japan because they knew it was a whole separate world and a whole separate money. And if you can get over in both places, you were talented. And and that's how you could survive in the U.S. circuit when you came back because you could keep reinventing yourself. He was part of that, that, that early class that went over to Japan and wrestled over there and could get over and got the respect of Japanese wrestlers. Um, so much, in fact, that when he is spoken about now, a lot of people are just they, they bring up his Japan stay and they bring up. He took some Japanese wrestling and put it in his little memory bank, and he booked like that. The Japanese wrestling was about up and down, up and down. It was about false finishes. It was about, oh, yeah. and, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling is all about that now, but that is their root. That was what, that's, he helped bring that to the United States. That's something that it's hard to put on paper on a resume and be like, I did that. He just did it. And that's kind of crazy, like especially when he started booking. Dave mentioned that he started early in Florida Championship Wrestling in the booking area. But like that's crazy talk like that's he saw that and he's like, I'm oh my goodness. I'm going to bring it to America. Ah, there's a bananas. How do I do false finishes? And you have to American wrestlers are different and, you know, they're different than Japanese wrestlers. So they, they view the sport a different way. So he brought the false finishes over to the United States and and, and what we define now as good wrestling you know, false yeah. finishes, ups and downs. And he kind of brought that over. Um, that's, 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 uh, you can't put a price tag on that, man. And that's what starting. takes us into the World Wrestling Federation in 1979, right? Patterson debuted as a heel in WWF in 1979. His manager was the Grand Wizard. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. 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 No good. His he, he primarily feuded with the North American champion Ted DiBiase. There's a name for you. And world champion Bob Backlund. Um yeah. Wow. There's oh, some give me the title. Give me the title. Come on. I'm and then before too, Bob honestly, Backlund. uh I think I might have maybe I forgot to put it in here too. He was actually heel for the majority of the beginning of his career, Patterson was. No, no, yeah. He came in as yeah. a heel and he actually uh, would defeat Ted DiBiase for the North American title using brass knuckles. That's a pretty decent heel tactic, if you will. Dastardly, dastard. Patterson going down in the tights. Patterson. Patterson has something around his... What is that? Brass knuckles, man. He's got something like brass knuckles. And wow. 
Patterson waylays Pat DiBiase. A lot of the time, I think he was heel in, I don't know if there's autobiography or a couple of the, um, the obituaries I read of him. He wanted to be heel because he was so good at leading matches. And back in the day, heels led matches. And That's so there was always an issue with if he was a face, uh, the times that he would, like uh, there were a couple of times he would tell faces, you're not doing it right. Let me lead and make it a lot better. But it was just easier to be a heel heel, when heels led matches for decades. And he knew how to produce and lead and more of a psychology guy, even though probably like he never was really any different than he was heel than face as Patterson um, as a, as a pretty boy or whatever. But that that was a lot of reason. It just took the finish to determine if you were heel or not, right? Put me in a headlock for crying out loud. You're killing me. Let me take it. Let come on, let's go home. Backdrop me. Come on, come on. Come on. Come on. God, how many times? In September of 1979, Patterson would win a fictional tournament in Rio de Janeiro yeah. for the God. South American Championship. Since he already had the North American Championship, it was declared that Patterson won the tournament and he would unify both champions, uh, being crowned the first ever WWF Intercontinental Champion. I want to ask Jess something here. Jess, uh, there, I read something that the reason this happened is because Vince McMahon, the reason they chose Rio de Janeiro is because they want that Vince McMahon enjoyed that Pat Patterson could not say and struggled saying <laughs> Rio de Janeiro. You know, until you Do you think that that's right true? Now, I, I did hear that story and it would not surprise I've heard that me. Story I totally too. forgot I, until you mentioned it right now. Well, he he would say yeah. Rio Janeiro or something like that. <laughs> but wouldn't that seem like something like Dick McMahon would do? Like, yeah, it's a fake tournament. Yeah, say like, it, it say could have been any city in the world, but you make Pat Patterson with a thick Canadian accent. Real Janeiro, yeah, I won the belt. Yeah. Where did you win it? Where did you win it, Pat? Real Janeiro, you know where you put it. You know where I won it. <laughs> I mean, there was one interview with like uh, McMahon saying like 20 competitors and then Patterson's like, I, that's what I had to be 15 competitors. So they couldn't <laughs> even get the number of competitors. And then in 1983, there's a there's a match with uh, Patterson and Patera, Ken Patera and Gorilla saying uh, something to the effect of like, um, I want to get the quote right because it's very funny. Funny. It says um, uh, in the middle of the match with. with Patera Monsoon says Pat Patterson didn't become intercontinental champion by accident. All over the world, England, France, China, Russia, all over. That is where the tournament was held, and this is the man who emerged triumphant, the new intercontinental heavyweight champion, Rio de Janeiro. Oh, now, Mr. Patterson, what happens to the North American title if, in fact, you are the intercontinental champion? Well, let me tell you something. First of all, the intercontinental champion represents a lot of money and a lot of prestige and represents a lot more prestige than the world's championship belt because you know why to win that championship i had to beat 15 of the best wrestlers in the world in the tournament and i came out on top so i don't care who the world's champion I'm like uh, he well, absolutely by accident it's almost like uh girl of monsoon and like lord alfred hayes see, like just messing with everybody what's well, the ultimate projection in tongue-in-cheek yeah yeah like, yeah like i am not a racist well, well when you say that, yeah, you kind of are. 
Yeah. It yeah. Like, it did not have my accent. No, it totally did. Yeah, you that did. Tournament never took place. <laughs> just it's not real oh. it's not real it never happened like can someone like, make a big deal out of that they they made up a tournament in rio de janeiro because pat patterson cannot pronounce rio de janeiro yeah and he becomes the first ever inter- intercontinental champion which holds so much prestige in <laughs> yeah. the world of wrestling yeah. for where it started to where it is now I, and i still i kind of love it people do you have what Rio de Janeiro, that fucking Rio de Janeiro. I can't even see it, you know, Pat. I, Rio de Janeiro. And I want to say because this was all the way back in '79. Vince yeah. didn't buy the company from his dad until '82. I want to say. Um. So, but even back here, so it's. I think it's worth noting that the the bond between Vince and Pat formed because that Intercontinental Championship was a was something that Vince pushed to his dad. That like you need just fuck these North American, South American shit. All these titles that have been floating around regionally for a long time. Get them out like and make your secondary champion. You already have the WWF champion. So let's get the WWF Intercontinental Champion going. And it's your secondary title. You don't need NWA Northeastern Philadelphia kind of south of sort of (laughs) championship. You don't need that that shit anymore. It's the one that up... (laughs) North, upper northwest the 15 freeway get off on bundy championship yeah. that one like i have that if, one yeah. I, i'm a two-time champion there the northeastern sure. wildemar heavyweight champion uh, i had like yeah two time two time I, That's and, right. and this this is their this i i true and this champion. is just me guessing as a fan but this is the Nerdy beginning of their bond where they were like vince already knew back here there's I'm something by the company from there's my something father. really cool about like yeah oh i'm the american champion i'm the tv champion no i'm the intercontinental champion i I basically run roughshod on half, on half the world, right? <laughs> I want it. And it, 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 do, it does make a difference. It 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 really does because you know I'll, I'll be that guy when I watch WWF and I and I heard of the Intercontinental Champion and then I go to WCW like he's the what television champion? He's the TV what? champ. Like, what television is that? What is that? Like when you're just a kid, the United like States Intercontinental sounds way better. It's just it, it does. I think I think to your point, Jess, like that was like. He was telling his old man, telling Vince Senior, like you've got to, you've got to make your your secondary champion this close to the world champion because you, eventually one's going to overtake the other, and it makes sense oh, because that's what on. he did. He started to that come was the on. test if you can come carry on, it. make it simple for the people. Come this, on. Hey, he's right, he's half, he's, he's half the world champion, Vince. <laughs> Just say it. North American, North American. Come on, just make it into continent. Come on, Dave. Raiders where are terrible. You, but where would Raiders you win it at? Terrible. Where would you so, win it at? Finish season eight and eight. Raiders terrible. <laughs> the Raiders are terrible. Look at last week. Um, during the Intercontinental run, he would turn face and dump the Grand Wizard. He would be defeated. He being Pat Patterson by Ken Patera for the Intercontinental Championship on April twenty first, nineteen eighty, and then on May fourth of eighty one. Patterson and Sergeant Slaughter had their famous boot camp yes. match. Also, we, uh, we were talking <laughs> before we hit record. It could be alleyway say match. It. Say it, Jess. The alleyway match. Yeah, we had a fight on uh, research, <laughs> and it was boot camp versus Maybe in my fight. mind, it just should be a boot camp match I, and because I really Sergeant don't Slaughter is military. No, no Jess is right. It's a boot camp match. It's boots. They're wearing, yeah, they're wearing, like, it's a boot camp match. Present in the ring during the bout, and there will be no holes barred. 
One fall will win the contest, and the participants from South Carolina, weighing 305 pounds, Sergeant Slaughter. And his opponent from San Francisco, California, weighing 237 pounds, Pat Patterson. This is going to be a one of a kind here in Madison Square Garden. The first is that anyway, because Craig was doing research before you got on the call, and everywhere before it's like it was called an alleyway match. I'm like, I've always known it as a boot camp match, but maybe I thought that boot camp was more fitting, and I've just told myself over the years that it was a boot camp match. I just, I just watched it before we started the podcast, and then um, uh, someone I forgot who was backstage at NXT, um, but basically said that Triple H, and they said they showed the boot camp match. Yeah. The backstage locker room event. But Finkel in the match only says no DQ, and Meltzer in his did, article right, says. So I don't, um, I don't, I don't know what's more alley fight. The fact that it was a bootcamp match or that caused actual research for this podcast. And we then uh, someone well, said, do, "Oh, you know. oh shit, shots fired." <laughs> but it was also Toronto rules, apparently. What Montreal rules? I screw that joke. I'll stop. I don't even, Big yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Huh? And um, Howard Finkel back then was not the Howard Finkel. He was by the way, like, this, this, this contest was is scheduled for one fall. Like yeah, Finkel and he has. So it, it, remember that old MSG yeah. mic that came down? Come down. Like, yes, it, it was, was like a boxing uh, match. I really liked. When the crowd would be too loud, they would ring the shit out of the bell, like to try to control the crowd. Yes. Yeah. He'd be like, "The following contest of ding ding ding." So I know for a fact that cousin and I watched this match today. Did you two watch this match today? Because I'm interested in cousin's opinion, and I'll give my opinion. And how I watched it, holds it up actually. If it whoa. does hold up. Uh, when did I watch okay, it? you guys do that. You guys do that. I'm gonna grab a drink while you discuss. What? Yeah, we did it. Uh, I think I watched it the day that he passed away, and we knew we were gonna do this. Is when I went back and watched it. So a couple days. And your thoughts. And your thoughts. I guess overall. I mean, there's I a lot it was just you can. As good. They don't. They didn't need to do anything. I think they. It was a lot of kicking and punching, as it should be. Yeah. But. They did a lot of stuff like when he would take the, his boot off and hit someone in the face with it. It was yes. that was the focus, the focus point. It didn't have to be a flip into a boot in the face. It was a I'm yeah. using this boot to crush his face. And so yes. I think like I think that's good that they show videos like that in NXT because that is less is more. And that's never going to change. That phrase is never going to change to me. It's awesome to see, uh, you know, well, ricochet well phrase. Do, 20 that less is more and it's never not going to be got true. it Sorry. yeah it's never not it going to be true because time. some of the best matches ever would build up to a basic wrestling move that a lot of wrestlers now blow in the first 30 seconds of their match but jake the snake would hit a ddt which is used for a transitional move now but back then that was the end and that's what he that it means the end like that was his like big thing, and that's what it was. And once he would hit it, that's it. Now you see seventeen hundred flying from the top rope D into a DDT and blah blah blah, and it, those are transitional moves. And but the, Pat Patterson and Sergeant Slaughter's match still is good and still holds up now because it was two guys that didn't like each other and they were trying to do the most violent thing to each other uh, to get the other one to stop fighting, like to to quit, and that's like. What wrestling should always be. It's not about who can get the most yeah. flips in. And they try to do that now. And then they're kicking out of shit. And you're like, how how are they kicking out of that? They should be dead. Like, you and, know, but and then here, some of these transitional moves, they look more devastating than the finisher. It's like, well, yeah, you kicked out of that. You're, you all better right, fucking kick right, out of that finisher. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause, nah, nah, cause nah, overall, what did you now. think? Cuz overall that match. 
I actually I would go on and say that because we're so used to seeing all these you know flippity dippities and crazy fucking uh, sequences um, that we're kind of I'm desensitized <laughs> from it now. So I would say this does more than hold up. I I would say this is how some of these matches should be. I mean, you could even look at something not too recent, but um, like Matt Hardy and Edge when they had the street fight at SummerSlam. It wasn't. I mean, it was brutal, but it wasn't crazy. You know, doing four fifties through a table of thumbtacks and then. You know, jumping it was off two of people who hated each other. Shot. They wanted to kill each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's What's what you need, text, and you don't get that. No, I, I like the text, but I like the way no, Dave. It just—it's so <laughs> meaningless. Now. I like the way Dave is gone, and then when Dave comes back, he knew. Yeah, he just goes he, whatever. Whatever yeah, before, you're talking about doesn't mean shit. He knew, <laughs> no, before he, he knew, walked he in the room, he knew he was going to be like. They've been rambling for the time I've been gone, so I'm going to be like, "All right, all right." But they were going to try to bring it into flippity dippities. No, I, you're right, Dave, and you're wrong. We didn't even get into the match when you were getting a drink and taking a piss. All right, so, so when, well, a lot so of no, we're not done. But yeah, we're not. What they should have done <laughs> while while we were talking about getting a drink and taking a piss is that they should have yeah. said, "I want to hear this." That this was voted match of the year by the readers of the Wrestling Observer. Yes. So uh, well, Jess liked it. Cuz liked it. I liked it also. Uh, it does not I'm, almost. It does not hold up in the realm of like I'm watching it now in 2020. But you watch it through a lens of uh, 80. What year was it? The the violence in it 81. and the, the simplicity of no, it, sorry, where they're wearing s- yes. street clothes and they Which immediately the start bleeding. And you have McMahon on yes. commentary on this match. Oh my! And, oh my! What a maneuver! Um, oh my! And you have they both bleed and Slaughter bleeds like a stuck pig. Good and you him. have the psychology of Patterson in a very, very strange way, the way he gets heat and then gets it back and lets Slaughter win and the way Patterson actually wins. You can hear the crowd in the background, the crowd, like, yeah, just explode. Like, it really does its job. And McMahon at the end of it says, this is might be the most gruesome match in wrestling history. And I think at the time, at the, time, the way they sold was. it worked. It, it was really good. Yeah. No, and, and then that. Dusty Richard. took this like in uh, Bunkhouse Stampede and that kind of thing. Like, but in first, like Patterson's busting his head with a um, with a boot for for me yeah. six straight times, but it took yeah. four minutes in it. Like this was the original Bunkhouse and, and after Stampede. Every blow, he would punch. let the crowd react and, and slaughter with yes. the gaze. Yes, like yes, it's like the focus. If you could zoom in a camera, it was on the boot in his head. And that's yes. what it was supposed and to be the about. Crowd, like, yeah, and the, the crowd, crowd reacted gigantic to every blow. It was like the an explosion of oh, like in, in yes. sound, and they were yes. so pissed. You're like, watching this back now, hit. and you're like, eh. But like the psychology uh, of it, and Patterson controls the entire thing. Um, yeah. Jumps on Slaughter, knees, and and Patterson has a great working punch, like almost like yeah. a rocket I, down. Has, yeah, like it's a really cool working punch, like. Uh, you can tell he he told the story and led the entire way through. I would say the crowd fucking did a lot better than the crowd has in the last couple of years. You know, yeah, the participation well, less, alone with the crowd less is you more. Know? They, yeah. they laid it yeah. all under eighty-one, but yeah. you know, it, it, it's interesting because at this point, you know, Patterson, like to to Craig's point, does understand uh, how to tell a story, right? That's what Craig said just a minute ago. And I think yeah, because of that, Patterson kind of goes more behind the scenes. Because, I mean, God, the guy's been wrestling since 58. Let's be real about it, right? I mean, it's it's been a long-ass time. So he becomes a commentator with Vince um, on WWE programming from uh, 1980 through 84, like on and off, right? 
Which, if you can imagine a French Canadian Pat Patterson managing to get the mic with Vince McMahon in commentary, like you got to be a talented person. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, (laughs) there's there's been some there's been some real head on collisions with that. With you know, but I I think the respect is there. The fact that when Patterson retires in '84 and Vince still wants to pull him in beyond the ring. It says a lot about who Pat Patterson is to be able to um, really kick off the WWF in the direction that Vince wants to go. And that's what we're going to start to get into. So um, he would retire from the ring in 84, uh, only wrestling a handful of times over the next few years. He became very involved with the booking process with Vince McMahon and Gorilla Monsoon. He commentated on some big matches such as Jimmy Superfly Snooker splashing Morocco oh, yeah, from a Cage. steel cage. People talk about that all the time. Um, it, it's crazy because that was so devastating then, and and what that what that launched in the realm of like people like the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, things like that. Um, uh, Edge and Christian, I mean, come to mind as well. But it was Jimmy going off the top of the cage and hitting a splash, which looked incredibly painful back then. Uh, Definitely, definitely sparked some flames and some younger guys coming up. Especially because the ring looked harder back then. <laughs> I think it was. And yeah. To your point, or, well, yeah, I, was, I think yeah. not only did it look harder, it actually was harder. Yeah, it was. You know, there's that joke about Vince finally getting the ring, like we need to make this thing softer after like mm-hmm, ten years, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, he also um, commented the Iron Sheik defeating Bach Backlund for the WWF World Title, and Hulk Hogan defeating said Sheik. For the world title, just a few months later, right? So is that transitional champion that oh, brother. Pat Patterson was was a part of in the commentary sense. Then he became a road agent in '85. He became Vince's right hand man. He was a special guest referee for WrestleMania One and the tag team main event. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, Craig, I see. You. And the the reason yeah. I didn't the reason why he was according to Shoemaker's article is because Ali was supposed to be the ref for that main event but didn't quite get what was supposed to happen and what his job mm. was. So Patterson had to do it um, to make sure, A, everyone did their job, and that Mr. T did what he was supposed to do. So he was never supposed to be that um, that ref, which I, I found very interesting. But uh, That's interesting, He did because yeah. Ali, they didn't it's trust him. What I took it more as, and Dave will read on later, because he was the ref for another main event with an inexperienced wrestler, and I was just in my mind, I was just like, well, it's so he could keep the shit together. Like, you know, yeah, Patterson, it makes sense. you know, Piper was so busy, like, I'm better than Hogan, man. Fuck you, Mr. T. Like, so he's doing all that. And then Mr. Wonderful's like, I'm wonderful. I'm a wonderful than everybody. So they well, were, especially- there was a lot of turmoil. So I think Patterson was like, everybody calm the fuck down. Like, so I thought, Patterson especially was after in there the debacle on, uh, on a certain talk show. Right. I mean, someone had yeah. to calm it down. Oh, 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 come man. on, Dave. No, come on, don't you do piece that. Of this is gar- garbage. Brother, this is a standard chin lock, brother. Um, yeah. You know, go look it up on YouTube. You'll find it. But we're not. So I, I always it. felt that, uh, that yeah, he was WrestleMania one referee. So, I mean, it's interesting what you said, Craig. But I, I, in my mind, before I knew that fact, I was just like, oh, yeah, he was keeping the peace in there. Like he was just. Yeah, he had to. Like, you drop down. You the, and then almost for the next 30 years, he was the guy that was like. If could you, could he's going to do the finishes, he's going to plan it. And if, if yeah. it doesn't work, he's going to put him for in there could and you make argue sure that it Patterson does happen. Is, Patterson is the ultimate stand-in. You know, what do they, what do they call it? Yeah. No, under, understudy. He's the understudy. Yeah. So, <laughs> the minute something doesn't yeah. work out or 
um, oh, they can't make it, or like I said, Ollie doesn't get it. Um, ah, put Patterson there. Fuck, he'll oh, take care. Come of on, it. yeah, because he he come understood on, the he understands the whole boxer. realm. Come on, come on, Dave. Come on, <laughs> yeah. You go to get sure a drink Mr. and come D back and say himself. we don't know what we're doing, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> you leave Mr. T alone, brother. I I just I he's just gonna get me into Hollywood, dude. It, yeah, I just I laugh because I go, it's okay. He's just sleeping. Raiders are college team division one. That's, Six and that's five. Tops. That's terrible. <laughs> Las Vegas doing nothing for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, anywho, uh, he would also become legendary for his booking of high profile matches. This is the Pat Patterson that I yeah I, I, I envy. We're I, getting I, the I'm, modern I'm times now. Extremely yeah. jealous of. Um, the one thing that people don't realize is that he had his fingerprints all over these matches. The biggest, the biggest two that are listed here, Hogan versus Andre at WrestleMania three. And then, um, ultimate warrior, um, and the rock from various WrestleManias, a lot of warriors matches because if Patterson didn't control them, it would have been so bad, but also even, you know, you, um, maybe we're not getting into it yet, but, We'll talk about it later on, but I'm gonna talk about it now. I don't care. Hogan Warrior match. I was if gonna say, Jess, he did Hogan Warrior too, he, right? Yeah, yeah he, did, he did Hogan Warrior at WrestleMania six. It's not even a question. And without Patterson's influence on WrestleMania six and Hogan Warrior, you would have had WCW Hogan Warrior, which was yeah, awful in Jesus. comparison. You know, it's it's. Yeah, I, I know Hogan had to get back over, and people talk about that, brother. I gotta get my win back. But I mean, what what the, the the deal? The problem is is these are two really large men. Like, like Warrior is two eighty, Hogan's three hundred plus. How do you make that work? And I was talking to my wife about this. this. Is so I know it's weird, but I said I said, babe, you know, he he was able to get these two three hundred pound guys in, and. Play to the crowd for 10 minutes. Look around. The crowd's going nuts. He'd be like, hey, you already bought the ticket. You know, it's just give him the show kind of thing. I, that's a terrible, you know, accent. It was fine. No, it's, it's it good. Was, it's it's good. But what fine. I'm saying is like he knew to tell people, even like Stone Cold The Rock, play to the crowd. This is part of the match. You can take five, 10 minutes and not even touch each other. This is the selling point of it. And. I talked about this with her. I said, I said, and then they do this test of strength, which when you look at it, it's totally dumb, but the crowd is going nuts for it. Who is stronger? Who's going to, to win the test of strength within Hogan warrior. And my wife's like, so he's kind of like a songwriter, right? I'm like, what do you mean? I said, well, a really good songwriter knows who they're writing for and writes specifically for that purpose. I'm like, yeah, Pat Patterson is exactly a songwriter for wrestling. If that makes sense. And this is how I know that. He's right. He's right in the orchestra. It, this is how I know that Patterson is not a yes man because Vince Good was point. against Vince Hogan point. and Warrior because he didn't want a face versus face. He was like, this is not going to work. So and Vince was right. He was right with the box office returns. Well, not not this totally early. right. He was right with the buy rate because it wasn't as big as the year before. And it did. It sort of disappointed them in a way. We all talk about Hogan and Warrior and revere it. But like actually WrestleMania six was kind of a disappointment. That compared to WrestleMania 5's buy rate. So um, Vince was but right, but Patterson, Patterson was like, no, it's all you have. You need to do this main event. You can't do anything else with Hogan. He's wrestled everybody else. You have to do it. I will make it work. And he was the one that did the work in the ring. So Vince is like, well, see. But Vince trusted him. If Vince really thought 
like this is going to lose me millions, Vince would be like, we're not fucking doing it. But because Patterson was involved, I think Vince is like, fine, if you book it, I already know I'm going to take a bath on it in the sense of not that WrestleMania six lost money, but it's not going to do as good. It's not face versus face won't work because we're splitting the crowd too much. There's no one that they could cheer 100 percent behind Mm -hmm. to defeat. So Vince was right with that. And that's the dynamic. That's how talented Vince is. But he needs a Patterson to be like, well, if that's where we are here in 1990 and this is what we have to go with, Pat, you bail me out of this shit. You make this shit happen. Oh, no problem. I fucking got it. Like, so he just knew Patterson knew, like, I I know how to make this work. Trust me. This will work. It won't be the clash that you think it is. I don't know what your box office returns are going to be. That's for you to decide. That's for you to decipher after the But I can make the match work. You take those two egos and you make that match together and you make it. The right guy went over. Pat Patterson is a genius. 49, 49%. And then you make. Just stop it. The last second. Whatever. However (laughs) he did that match with two just kind of big kind of guys who don't necessarily can't carry each other. Or can't carry anyone and make that um, spectacular match in WrestleMania six. Like, well, and the way and you said, both guys that have to be carried. Every heel that Hogan worked with had to carry him for the most part. Yeah, you know, Hogan's yeah. got his ass beat the entire time, and the heel was in control. Same thing with the back. Warrior. Yeah, the Warrior needed Rick Rudes and Macho Man's and stuff to yeah. calm him down and control yeah. him. Now you put two guys that have had heels work for them in there with each other, and Patterson's. I, I have to yeah. fucking figure this out. I have right. to make this work. These guys, someone in this match, so he went to Hulk. He's I, like, you got to carry him. You actually have to do what everybody else has done for you. You have to carry him. So it was passing the torch in so many different ways where Hogan actually had to get in there and be like, I got to be like the heels that supported me throughout all these years. I have to carry him. And yeah. take, and and even though I'm the one that's going to carry the match and probably be the more valuable talent, he's got to go over. He has to be holding those titles above his head with fireworks at the end of the night, and it has to happen. And people have to believe in it. And Pat Patterson helped him get there. Like, look at the big splash! One, two, he got him! He got him! Unbelievable! The Warriors won the title. We have a new. Just, it's incredible. That, 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 it's still, it wait. still is the old. It's the imprint on my mind of wrestling. Yeah. Is because as a kid, what do you think? Because that match. Yeah. Well, I, well, you know how I feel about it now. Um, I didn't watch it live. Oh, no, I didn't watch it live. I watched it after the fact. I was gonna say that uh, he he took a page out of the uh, the Dragon Ball Z playbook. You guys ever watched Dragon Ball Z? I'm too old. I never watched it. I know who Dragon was Ball it is. Was it invented that, uh, in that time frame? What the fuck is that, are you talking actually, about? Actually, yeah. Dragon Ball came out in the 80s or early 90s. But uh, Wow. Uh, no, basically what it was is uh, every time when it was, you know, so the episode, the season would lead up to the fight with the main character, Goku, the, the Hulk Hogan brother, and it would always lead up to the big fight of the, the enemy, the boss, the, the evil villain. But when they were face-to-face... Almost the whole episode was no touch, no touch, and then towards the end they'd start to fight to keep you glued. That's what he did. I know that was the point. Yeah, they, they would, but they yeah, would but play that, in the crowd, yeah. test the strength for ten minutes. Yeah, you're you got right. that from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, pushing yeah. the so, the, no, the collar and elbow tie up into the who's going to push who in the corner. They did that, mm, yep. and yeah, the whole literally. If you go back, I I really believe the first nine minutes they didn't do jack shit, and then like they the ended up in like losing yeah. their mind. Yeah, yeah. So a little be known, Pat Patterson was a Dragon Ball Z player, yeah. according to Cuz. So yeah. there you go. Oh, I, had, I wrote the script for Dragon Ball Z. The more you know. Does Goku remind you of me, brother? ABC. I'm Hulk Hogan, Goku. Yeah, there it is. Can I kick out right at three, brother? 
to make me look strong. <laughs> no, you don't do that. Don't you lose. fucking do it, Hogan. You, you stay dick. down for ten seconds after. Okay. So let's. Why let's did not, you do that? Let's not. I mean, we we talked about WrestleMania six, and that's probably on me because I'm I, I geek out for it. But this one, you really can't pass over. You got to spend some time here. Uh, Pat Patterson is credited for inventing the Royal Rumble yeah. match in 1988. In 1989, it became its own pay-per-view. It's still running to this day. This is what's interesting. Everybody had Battle Royals, but Battle Royals are just a... They're a cluster, man. They are a mess because you start out... It's so funny. Like What what, what keeps 30 men from not laying their hands on each other until the bell rings? Can someone explain that to me? Like, If, if, I, if I see someone that's going to really hurt me, I'm going to try to get every edge I can. There's no way else in DVD and everybody starts punching each other. And it's just it's so much disorganization. Who can I get my hands on? We know who's going to win. Work it out. And then Pat Patterson comes along and says, no, why don't we why don't we spread that out? Why don't we have matches within the match of 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 a battle royal? And that becomes the Royal Rumble. So every two minutes. But yeah, not even that. Yeah, in. let's let's yeah. bait the crowd. Let's bring a new person out every X amount of time. And we won't know who that person's going to be. It's almost yeah. like a. it's not really actually. But I'm going to say it for the sake of just coming up with the phrase. It's like a reverse battle royal, even though it's not because you can eliminate. I think that makes sense. You, yeah, you don't yeah. have to fill up that if you don't want more than six people in the ring at one time, you just have them eliminated as the course goes on. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like it is kind of like a weird reverse ro- uh, battle royal in a way. And he designed it. He booked it all the first like few. And he taught people how to book it. Like Dave worded it perfect. It's a bunch of different matches in one big match. Yeah. So you can eliminate everybody stories. except yeah. for two rivals and then let them clash to get the but crowd even then, going. But even then to that, you know, to that point, Jess, when someone does get everybody out, there's there's two instances that I know where Flair amazingly gets everyone out in, I think, 92. But then Hogan also cleans house a year or two before that. When that happens, even though they're not the winner, the crowd loses their mind. So it's and, like a oh, win before the win happens. And it's we talked incredible. about the Mania 6 thing. Also, he booked the Hogan and Warrior face-off in Royal Rumble 90, which everybody yeah. fucking remembers that, that match. That, that's like, what yeah. blew the lid off. That, of and that, the way that, he did yeah. it was just genius. That's why when we well, uh, when uh, we will release, we haven't point. released yet, but we're going to release the, the review for Royal Rumble 92 in January for you guys. Uh, and Dave wanted to review Royal Rumble 90, which actually is my personal favorite Royal Rumble. I just felt 90 I, I, I got, I got voted off. Yeah. But that, yeah. those moments <laughs> no, in that, we'll do that too. I still believe there's a 20-minute segment in Royal Rumble 1990 where uh, Savage, Piper, Rhodes, uh, DiBiase, and a couple other people in Piper have this 20 minute amazingness of anything in any Royal Rumble I've ever seen. This is all Pat Patterson. And like, and it's just fucking madness. Like, and this is like probably yeah. 20 minutes before Hogan and Warrior even faced off at the end of that Royal Rumble. It was just like there was a 20 minute span where I just all those legendary names I just named, and they were all kind of feuding with each other, Oops. sort of intertwined. And yeah. the place was going absolutely ape shit. And Patterson thought about it before it ever happened, obviously, like because he booked it's, yeah. it. Yeah, it's because he thought that, like, there's too many people. To, you don't get to highlight individual wrestlers and storylines in a 30-man, 20-man battle royal when it's on the same ring. So yeah. 20-man and spread it out. And then he thought 30-man was kind of the best after a couple of years of, like, tr- of trial and error. But that's what it was. It was like you could get more people and more highlights and storylines and wrestlers 
if you if you and it's kind of brilliant like you never thought it but like it takes balls to like he probably told vince like this is how you book your whole card for wrestlemania you're gonna book all your feuds and set all your matches right here you're gonna tease them all going into wrestlemania and this is gonna be who's and vince is like what no no wait wait what what What? no and like you explain it to him it's like but no battle royal is 20 guys and then everyone for for so many reasons (laughs) though no, you're Royal not Royal listening. Royal 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 Let me show you. the reset you. button for WrestleMania is what it yeah. is. Yeah, what? That's how you start booking all your feuds. Everyone and then, yeah, and then it's so the important it became the winner gets a title shot. Uh, they've had two situations where the title was vacant, so the winner wins a title. Yeah. And, yep. and unlike other pay-per-views that have either been dumped or watered down, the Royal Rumble is still, besides Mania, yeah. is like the what? best pay-per-view like of the year. 30 years later, what are we at? How many years are we at? Jesus. Fuck, we just had 2021. Rumble, Rumble, uh, Rumble, Rumble. Doesn't matter. Per- Patterson no, no, no. did it. He's perfect. And so congrats. thirty-two years. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty-two. Banana. Uh, it's crazy. Bananas. But yeah, you Bananas. can't. I mean, we can go over and over again. And then after a while, he obviously taught people 34. in back. Here's how you. Bo- here's how you book it. Because Patterson became less involved as he got older and the years went on. So he had to teach people how to book a fucking Royal Rumble match. Like I think right. that's he but created that's the Royal Rumble. The like, creativity of that man, like. Yeah. um and from what like from from Ray Stevens and him and like and booking and how he he had that quote I said earlier, like everyone needs to be produced. And it's true. Everybody needs to be produced and everybody, including the entire roster in one like section and one the entire in one night. If everything needs to be produced, it's yeah, Roll Rumble. That's, almost that's every perfect. it's 30 guys in your fucking roster yeah. that he's booking at once. Yep. That's insanity. Yes. Like that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and, and, and by the way, I mean it's it shouldn't go without Bro. saying we talked about Rumble, we talked about WrestleMania six, but when it came to the main event matches for The Rock, uh, Pat Patterson was involved in quite a few of those. Uh, so just to give you an idea, if you like The Rock in main event matches, you probably have an idea that Patterson has something to do with that. So we're gonna delve into something a little bit uh, darker, unfortunately. Uh, Ooh. Pat Patterson was accused of sexual assault by a former WWF announcer, Murray Hodgkins, in 1992, and Pat was released from the company at that time. Soon after, the charges were dropped, and he was rehired from the company after what I believe to be an independent investigation. Uh, so I did, yeah, I did the research. Uh, the big thing that I remember the most from my childhood was uh, Phil Donahue was kind of the wow. the the Lord of daytime talk before Oprah really kind of reined it in and made it super. Or more important, you are not the father. What? <laughs> yeah. But, but Phil Donahue yeah, did both. Way, yeah. He did kind of those episodes and then he did serious ones too. And he was very quirky and crazy. Uh, Phil Hartman did an amazing impersonation of him for Saturday Night Live, by the way. That's, that's um, great. Look at that. So, yeah. You just say, you know. everybody's going. Wait, was it Neilan or was it yeah. Hartman? He goes, you know. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> You know, that was uh, Carvey. Carvey was, yeah. you know, you, you know. know. Yeah. Uh, so, so Phil Donahue was a big deal. And my mom and my grandma were two of the people that loved uh, Phil Donahue. And they'd watch him during the day. And, of course, my mom knew as a wrestling fan. So she came to me and she's like, Vince McMahon was on this show. And a bunch of people were accusing him of, like, uh, knowing of sexual harassment and steroid use. And this is when... Reality hit me as wow. a I was a freshman in 92, I believe. Yeah, I was a freshman in high school. And I was like, well, yeah. you didn't have the curtain pulled back. This leads in and I, 
this is hard to talk about because in 2020, we are so non-tolerant, sometimes in a ridiculous manner, of anything. Any kind of slander, and I'm saying slander is good, but anything that even sounds like slander or downing a race or whatever, people are like, ah, hammer him. He tweeted something eight years ago, hammer him, beat him. You know, and we're way over the top now. And and, and we'll balance out, all societies do. I'm not here to talk about that. Back here in 1992, you have to look at this through 1992 goggles. We didn't know. I mean, we knew wrestling was fake, but we didn't want to know what was behind the curtain. You see the owner of the World Wrestling Federation on Phil Donahue talking about Pat Patterson, and he he doesn't work for me anymore, and we let him go, or he resigned, I think. Uh, And you have these people saying these things about Patterson that I witnessed him grabbing someone. I witnessed him uh, harassing someone sexually. I witnessed him. I did this. I did that. This is all on this episode of – and then – so Vince is sitting in front of the accusers, the three people. It was Barry O, uh, some other like kind of journeyman wrestler, and uh, um, uh, Terry Garvin. Yeah, and, and so they were talking to Vince, and they were pretty much just like confronting him right to their face. And like this is on daytime television. My mom brought it to my attention. Who has she knew I liked wrestling, but she didn't follow wrestling. And you nowadays, everyone's so accustomed to we know all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes because they'll pretty much tell us on a documentary on WWE Network. Sure. Back here, yeah. this is nuts. This was nuts. Uh, and now here you are being accused, Mr. McMahon, of. Uh presiding over an, or- an organization that looked the other way while these uh, sex harassment charges were being, uh, uh, sex harass- harassment activity was taking place. Sir, you wanted to say. We've never looked the other way in anything. And I'm very happy to confront everyone today with whatever allegation they have. The three individuals about whom most of these allegations are hurled are no longer with the WWF. We have started an independent investigation on our own to get to the bottom of all of this. And that's why we're here today, is to get to the bottom of it. We may even learn something here today that my investigators do not know. I want to get to the bottom of it just like you gentlemen do. What would you like to say to him, anybody? And to hear it, and you didn't know that Pat Patterson was behind the scenes. You didn't know that. Like, he retired in 84 and went away and retired, right? On an island somewhere. Yeah, and so you didn't know that. We didn't know what backstage wrestling was back here, especially as a freshman. I mean, we knew it was fake again, but we were, whoa, shit. So I went back and watched the entire episode. And then for segment two, he has a panel of motherfuckers with Vince sitting in the middle. That panel consists of some radio disc jockey that only interviews wrestlers, Dave Meltzer, um, uh, superstar superstar Billy Graham. This Well, this is why... People hate Meltzer in WWF. From here, he forbid Meltzer to ever go backstage because of this. Um, and superstar Billy Graham, Bruno San Martino, and they're all beating the shit out of Vince on this televised show, on the popular Phil Donahue show. It was so much reality of pro wrestling. I My freshman mind didn't even know how to process it back then. This led to the decline of wrestling that we we always talk about the end of 92 versus the beginning of 92 and about how people were – there was a steroid accusation and there was a sexual assault uh, accusations going on at the same time. And Phil Donahue – and don't get me wrong, they went on other talk shows after this too. Vince didn't, but those people continued to go on ESPN and – uh, uh, Mori Povich and all these other shows that that would they were talking about it. So they were doing like this press junket of bashing Vince and going around saying he's allowing sexual harassment. He's allowing this. And Pat Patterson's name was brought up a lot. And we're not here to talk super in depth in depth about it. 
um, or what's right or wrong or what was acceptable or not. He was never convicted of anything. Let me say that. And the charges were dropped. And you might say, oh, well, it's because he, Vince paid a lot of money. Look, this is not fucking 2020 WWE here where Fox pays you $1 billion to be on television for them. This was when Vince was a non publicly traded company titan sports was the mcmahon name and all of this was out of pocket so vince was on the show trying to save face and it was uncomfortable to watch not just because of what the people were saying it was very like graphic in that sense but at the same time Mm -hmm. like it 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 was Vince just desperately trying to defend his company. Now I look back on why the fuck were you even on that show, dude? You should never have shown up. You should have put your, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. Because I went back and I watched the whole thing like two days ago. And I was like, this is a nightmare. Like this is bad for him. And you see Vince biting his tongue. Like every time somebody would talk and you know, he was playing the play it safe owner. I didn't know. Nobody told me I'm here like you to find the truth. Let's get to the bottom of it. And like Dave said, he hired an independent company to do an investigation. And they ended up hiring Patterson back a few months later because they deemed that he was his name was sort of brought in. And it's easy to bring his name in because he's homosexual and he's around a bunch of men. So, of course, Pat Patterson, the name's going to be dropped. So ring boys, did you being sexually harassed? Yes, I, I've seen ring boys uh, being sexually harassed. What's a ring boy? Uh, Pat, a ring boy is a person who's uh, usually employed to put up a put up and take down a ring, travel from one town to another, uh, age group possibly from 13 to 19 to 20, uh, fluctuates anywhere in between. And you saw what? I, I saw on one occasion, in, in, I believe it was in, uh, New Haven, Connecticut, Pat Patterson actually grabbed one of these child, one of these children rather, in the crotch while putting up the ring. I witnessed, I came to the arena a little bit early, walking by the ring to the locker room, and I saw Pat Patterson with his left arm on the kid's shoulder and his right hand in his crotch. I and witnessed you can, this with my... You can argue there's a lot of... I'm just playing devil's go, advocate. Go back for yourself so we don't, and I want you guys to comment a little bit on it, you know, but go back for yourself and watch the YouTube video on the Phil Donahue show. You need show. to. It's, it's you you need to see you it. You need to form your own but, opinion. Listen, I'm not here to talk can, about that. You can you can argue, just to your point, that in wrestling, I mean, it, he's not here at this moment, but Razor Ramon is a major example that there are people that are really, really homophobic, especially in this era that could take this all the way to the Phil Donahue show. And, you know, it, it's it's one thing when a heterosexual guy grabs you by the waist and, you know, r- Russell and tells you in the shower. But the minute you find out that person is gay, you take that to the hills and shout it to the heavens. And I'm not trying to defend Patterson here. I don't know what happened. I know it was said. Nobody court. knows what happened connected. except for the people that Nobody are accusing knows. him and Patterson. And I'm just I'm, I'm playing the opposite side of it that, you know, you know, Donahue wants to come out and accuse, you know, Pat and others of all of this crazy stuff and this horrible things that could have happened. And then I also know there's people on the other side of it that the minute people find out that Pat Patterson is out and gay and to everyone, I'm gay. I don't care what you say about it. It's easy when Pat Patterson puts you into a, a gut wrench and holds you by the waist that he's doing something you, that you did not condone to there's there's two sides to every story I'm, again not defending pat pat might have done some really horrible things i'm just saying that there are also other people out there that would condemn pat just for being gay and i'll leave it there yes maybe and, and again get touched and you right. don't want to get touched you know yeah, yeah. well you're a wrestler yes. you're gonna get yeah. touched yeah before well, i yeah, say well, anything because what's, what's your thoughts because what's your thoughts 
But I don't know. I mean, but at the same time, if we can accuse, you know, Vince of, you know, being uh, guilty of bullying or allowing other guys to bully, why why can't this be true either? I don't know if it is, though. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you because I, I, yeah, I, won't, I won't deny that either. I'm with you on that. It might yeah. be. Uh, it, it might be, it, it yeah. might be exactly. And, and, and on top of that, it could have been the environment. And I'm not saying it's easy to look back and be like, well, bullying's wrong and quid pro quo is wrong. And it is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying when you're living in it, these guys are and I'm not trying to make an excuse for them, but it's like their own. It was their own ecosystem. It was like a carny atmosphere back here in 92 and before. Yeah. And they're traveling every day like with each other. And again, I'm not making an excuse for him, but he's a man. He's a man that likes other men, and he's around a lot of men that are showing a lot of skin. Gonna, and that's no excuse uh, to attack anybody or, or offend anybody or I'm, I'm assault a, I'm anybody. Gonna, I'm gonna, you know. And Vince uh, covering for him is no well, different than like if a girl was touched by a. Well, let's say a Hogan and the way, wanted to protect and the way him too, if you want to dive into that, I think the, the way Vince might have covered it happens both ways. Yes. yes, and I think the way Vince might have covered is this. Vince, I don't. Vince was never told this is going on. I think Vince had to have known something, just like Vince did know that his athletes were taking steroids. I don't care what he says; like he yeah. understood it was going on in that thing. But, but. Vince made it very clear. I do not ever want you to fucking come up and tell me what you did. Do you want to know why? Because once you do that, now I know and I have to do something as a business owner. So Vince purposely distanced himself from that. I don't want to know what you guys did last night in the bar. I don't want to fucking know what you did in your hotel room. You shut up and don't ever fucking talk to me about that. So did Vince say, don't do it? No. But Vince was like, you cannot tell me. My ears cannot hear that because if it does, I have to, as a business owner, take care of you. Get you out of here. And I think that's what... I hate to say it, and I know people, and this might be not popular, that's the way businesses were run, guys. That's the way a lot of stuff was back then. Not in 2020. We're working, I, yeah. we're, we're we're working, working that out, as, right? We're working that out in 2020. We're trying well, to get better. As, 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 you know? Well, as humanity, as a country, as a world, yes. we're like yeah. we're, we're starting to realize that just because you didn't say no doesn't mean yes and all those other right. items. Right, Whether yeah. it's man to woman or man to man or woman to woman doesn't, you know... You know, there's I mean, so much, there's so much on cover that we're not getting into because this is a wrestling podcast. What did you <laughs> say, Cuz? I said Mula has been known for I, the same I'm, thing. I, it's know? funny when you said Two that. Two women, that's right? I was going yeah. over my Probably notes in my head than, like earlier I today know. before it. I Mula came up in my head too. That's a very good point. It does. A Mula does come. It's it's a great example of you want to be a woman in this business. You got to pay me. Um, not it was not yeah. necessarily well, sexual. If you want to, if you want to exploit quo. my sexuality, you have to pay me. That was more of what yeah. Lula was. Yeah. If you're going to take advantage of women because you see women as sex objects, then you're going to pay me. That is one you're side of looking at it. A lot of other people are saying that me. she was different. She solicited her women. I don't know. Don't know the truth. Don't know. But this. It falls well, you could also same, say you know. that. No, I, that I think she, with Mula, she was a uh, no. She was terrible. She was yeah. uh, she was a she was a mean bitch. She owned the women that she had under her. She had the power yeah. and contracts yeah, it was, over it was, her. And it wasn't solicitation. No, it wasn't sexual. It was pure monetary and power. Pure money yeah, and power. Point. You Vince looked to her business? too. Yeah, I think. Uh, but with here's what I'll say with Patterson. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No one knows. I think it's very very tough for a gay man in any business. Never mind in the '60s, in the '70s, in the '80s, in the '90s. Um, but I back. think wrestling in itself 
is uh, if you're in a position of power and wrestling in itself is a, a position of you have a spot and how do you get that spot and how do you keep that spot? And there is an opportunity to whatever advantage you have or leverage you have to get people uh, to do things for you in your power, like whatever it Triple H made a great living uh, exploring his leverage and making uh, his leverage and getting things done. And uh, fuck you, am I going over is the old Triple H story. <laughs> Pat Patterson, um, there's a juxtaposition of a man who was poor, who was uh, raised with uh, nine kids out of poverty uh, and managed to be the, the right hand man to Vince McMahon in the, in the biggest uh, wrestling federation in the country also happened to be homosexual also was very accused of uh using his position to take advantage sexually of wrestlers up and coming or not for power or not and there are videos online of wrestlers that did and that said that that had vendettas or not the shane douglases the sids the marty Janettis, the people that uh probably have vendettas against them but Patterson, at the end of the day, was around for 50 years, 40 years. His uh, The biggest problems to him came in 1992 with his Donahue and this, uh, uh, this kind of issue. And then a private investigator cleared him. You just don't know. I think it's there's a gray area. Maybe, maybe money talked. Maybe the truth talked. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, yes, in the WWF, that yeah. fucking, that WWF lawyer, whatever his name, Jerry, whatever, Jerry DeVille, is that his name? I think so, yeah. uh, They were Total ruthless bull, forever, Total like, bull. but I think with Patterson, if you can't, if you're a gay man, and you've managed the last 40 years in the business without any of these issues, um, I just, I just don't know, I just choose to believe that Pat Patterson is, um, he did more good than bad, and I think... There were a lot of people that were homophobic in general, and maybe pe- people are flawed, and we just don't know. And there are gray areas, but I will continue to believe that. Uh, uh, I think that any we don't even, know if, even if now true, in an I office setting, right? Let's kid, say honestly. let's say you're up for a promotion in an office setting right now, and it's you and two other people. It's, it, it, I'm not even going to say what gender they are. There's just two other people. Uh, it, it's human nature when you find out that you didn't get it to attack the person that did get it, right? Uh, well, they're always late or I'm the, I was the one that was doing all the work for them and they took all the credit. And then you want to pick apart the person that made that decision to not hire right. you and hire them over you uh, compound that with, Oh, that person's gay. Right. I th- and you're in the wrestling industry. Right. I think it's, right. It, it, it might be, I'm not saying it's not true. It might be the easiest road to take. That's all right. I'm saying. No, Jess, you're absolutely I, I, right. Like who, who knows, but I'm saying the man survived 40 I, years being okay um and there was one incident and he was cleared but that was through or, wwf channels with just, vince it was the environment and also back then, there's a shitload of people that. that have yeah there's a shitload of people that also have um a lot of stories to say about him that it was predatory yes. we don't we don't know and we're not here to cast judgment all we, we can do is uh it. we got to talk about it because it's just, part of his legacy it's and, part you know, it's part of the history because yeah. i know because you wanted to say something oh I, yeah I, I don't think it would just be fair to just say oh it's because they're not saying you guys are saying it's because they're you know homophobes but to just draw the conclusion that oh it's probably because of that it's like well it's also because <laughs> this guy has 
a powerful position in the company. Like, right. man, yeah. he's using this power. It would have been one thing if he was just like a normal guy, like not powerful in the back. And if right. he was coming on them, they could just be like, get the fuck away from me, Pat. You, you, know, right, you know, right. I like women. Get away from me. But because he's a guy with power in the position he's in, they're more like reluctant to like just say, oh, get the fuck away from me, Pat. It's more like, well, now he's using his power in his position here and threatening my my position here in the company. I don't care that he's gay, but I don't want him touching on me and then making me feel like, oh, if I don't let him, and that is, he's going to use his power and position here. Yes. So, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's fair to always just say, oh, it's because a guy was touching him. So that means he, it's their homophobe coming out of them and wanting to, you no, know, and get you're him right for that, because honestly, you know? as, as, as the side of Everyone the fence that. that Craig and I described, your theory it could be absolutely just as true. I could see both happening. You're right, but I'm not you're saying right. it's true. I don't know. No, no, you're right. But I mean, you don't know your what side. Happened, your your theory and your side could be easily as true as what I Craig think and I both described. sides have to be yeah. acknowledged yeah. Like, and recognized. Yeah. Piper hates him. Like, oh, there's a lot know. of people that hate him, but that there's a lot. For, Rock is his mentor, and Rock loves him. He's McMahon's best yeah. friend for 40 years. There's uh, tons of wrestlers, albeit the ones on top, that will never have a negative thing to say about Patterson. But, like, how do you know? And that's the thing about this world. What is truth? Well, what and is those disinformation? Guys on top, Patterson may have just known, I'm not going to try it with those guys, you know? Right. Because well, Vince yeah, might actually try with the these are my top like, guys. Uh, Jim Powers, Al, and I'm glad you said yeah. that, cause, because, yeah. uh, so in one of the shoot interviews I was looking at, Billy Jim who was on the Legends House, that that uh, reality show on WWE Network when it first launched. And Patterson was there. Hibbley Jim was there. Hacksaw was there. Uh, Piper was on there. And uh, Hibbley Jim said... I'd never hit on you or something? They they were filming uh, one of the scenes there. They were all taking shots and drinking to get loose in between. And uh, he said that him and Hacksaw were talking... And they were looking over at Pat, who was like, you know, taking a shot or whatever. And, and again, they were between, I think they're resetting the cameras or whatever. And uh, Billy goes over to uh, Patterson and he goes, hey, Hacksaw and I are pissed off. How come you never hit on us back in the day? And he said, <laughs> and Patterson said without missing a beat, he rolled his eyes. Oh, God, you guys are not even my type. Not even close. Yeah. So Jim there, there, there might be a lot of truth behind that's that. Homo- that, that that's yeah. completely homophobic on their part. Like it's. Well, and no, he was joking in the sense I know, I know, I know. Like I know. In other words, Hillbilly was playing off of it's what he saw. It's the opposite of like taking yeah. advantage of like I'm sexy, I'm Jim Powers. He he tried to uh, have me service him, like whatever. Like that's the story, yeah. right? Like so, yeah, there's that, no truth. That's I, the thing. There's no truth anymore. No one knows the power of corporations, the power of Vince. But I will choose to take Pat Patterson. In 50, 60 years in the business. I was going to say the longevity of, of of how he was in the industry and the small blip yeah. where he was accused. It's hard to be like, well, if he was this predator, it would have it would have surfaced again and again yeah. and again. And it didn't. Yes. But uh, I wouldn't money be surprised talks, maybe money talks. if it was a problem. Yeah, yeah, money talks. I hate to say it, though, if if, if later we come to find that it, it was true and and if there was more things that we didn't know, I, I, I know. I'd say it would, it would overshadow you know, yeah. Any, yeah. That well, and that's why that's I think horrible. it's important. I know, I know. it's a horrible talked, thing either way. We talked before we hit record on on how far we wanted to go, and I think it is important that we touch on this because you're right. Because yeah. six months later, we could look back on this episode and be like, "Thank God we covered both sides." Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. instead of just well, one because episode, everyone else would be like, "Pat Patterson, first Intercontinental Champion, Royal Roll, and that's all, everybody." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. It guy, was, uh, you know. And and, yeah. and I really, I really, I understated this. And looking back, I you know, again, like I said, my freshman Jess. 
we all like to beat the shit out of the end of 92 because Hogan's gone and everyone's gone because they were on steroids. And so Vince had to hide him somewhere and, you know, and then they had to go with Sean and Brett. It was so much more. When I really think of the gravity of being on daytime, Phil Donahue was a big deal. People saw that show and they talked about the sexual harassment and the steroids. And he was on other shows. I didn't realize as a kid, when we were freshmen, did any of us watch ESPN as far as like for interviews? No. Did we watch Phil Donahue? No. Did we watch CNN? No. We didn't really watch shit. Like I I watched the news because my parents fucking had it on when I was walking in. I was like, oh, you guys are watching news. I'm going to go back in my room and watch something else. You know, like we didn't we didn't think about that. If, If you're an adult, my mom came up to me going, I just saw the owner of the company that you love. Uh, basically having to defend for his life and a bunch of former wrestlers accusing him of allowing sexual harassment, uh, allowing steroids to be run rampant or whatever. And then we find out that he gets, you know, brought up on federal charges uh, for that. Yep. And and but he, people die. But he also, you know? go, he also went ahead well, and um, completely the ghosted thing. the man who died and killed his family, Chris McMaw. And he's a dude that... I love Vince. I think he's a genius, but he's also I, a. I uh, think that nobody can ever under sit in his seat and understand what he had to deal with. I I don't like how do you, no. how can you even pretend you know how to relate to Vince? And well, I, I don't mean that against you. I mean, like no, you said, I think if, I, yeah. if I'm the owner of a billion dollar corporation, I absolutely think that's true. But at the end of the day, it's he's also very, he's very be, very evil. Yeah. It's an evil position ben, to be in. Ben, yeah. ben, ben Wall kind of left. Ben Wall left the evidence out for everyone, you know, to confirm oh, that's... everything, but. <laughs> Well, it's not, not, it's saying, not, like, about, not, it's not like in a joking what, way, but yeah, no, right. that, imagine if the internet guys, existed guys, in 92. Don't, don't take it over it the be Benoit Cliff right now. because that's No, we're not. Yeah, that's we're saying that's that's like, when you're the owner you're of a billion-dollar no, corporation, you make decisions. I'm with and, you. Well, I made the comparison. I'm with you, Craig. When you're at that level, you're going to make decisions that will make you evil forever. And mm-hmm. yeah. that you have to do for the company, right? That's yeah, but, yeah. And let's let's and leave so, that. And, and the reason why I want to get into a Dave's right. Dave's right. And and, and because we can go on for every scandal forever. <laughs> yeah, really Jesus good. Christ! Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll I, jump off a cliff. I think point. Sullivan like, did it, but that's just me. I, I, he was a, he was a <laughs> shitty wrestler, yeah. so I don't like him. Yeah. But uh, but but yeah, yeah. But I mean, looping it back into Patterson, it he sorry, was connected somehow because he was part of those accusations. He was covered in when wrestling declined it. We liked at the time when we were young, we looked back and we're like, oh, they were just out of touch. And they didn't know, you know, Vince was still giving us ninjas and plumbers and race car drivers when we wanted reality. Mm. Yeah, it's easy to look back and say that's what the problem was. But really, the bottom fell out here. So not only was he getting hit from like a sexual standpoint, but he was getting hit from a steroid standpoint. And it really did. Uh. Until I did the research, I did not understand the gravity of that's part of the reason. Because Phil Donahue said this amazing line. Right before he went to a commercial break, he was like, you're here to defend your company because if this takes a big chunk out of you, you can't give your tickets away. And Vince is like, right, we'll be right back. And I was like, that's what happened. They went from they went from putting, you know, 17,000 people in a house show at the L.A. Sports Arena to 5,000. And. Yeah, or, he could, or and less, then yeah. they hired Pat. Pa- parents were seeing that, episode, that the Almighty like, Hulk Hogan. Months. Parents were seeing that the Almighty Hulk Hogan lied and took steroids and might be involved, even though he wasn't named. No, brother, he, he was around the Those sexual activity. Patterson you know? gave him to me, brother. Yeah, <laughs> it was Patterson. Let's just put more dirt on him. Patterson, brother. So, right. so yeah, I, I didn't the drugs, think about brother. that. I didn't think about the Fuck levity of guy. my mom coming in, going, "You're, you're Vince yeah. McMahon." 
I didn't know he owned the company, first of all. Secondly, he's all the stuff's happening. And I'm thinking, right, parents stepped in hey. at that point and said, we're not buying tickets anymore and we're first not buying all, pay-per-views. First of all, Jess, that's not how Kathy talks. <laughs> She's she an talks. angel. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, we need, and we need to move on. But <laughs> you're right. You're right. But to, to wrap it up, yes, I didn't. The levity of this Pat Patterson situation, which he kind of was the center of. It it that took the steam out of pro wrestling and went to the down period that we knew that rode all the way up until the attitude era came up. It was a major part of parents because Vince is peddling to kids, right? Who have to ask their mom and dad for tickets. Uh, you know, they're like, no, this company that you want to go watch uh, allows this and allows sexuality to do this and yeah. and allows steroids to go everywhere. So your to, mother to said it, up, it was on daytime television, yeah, right after General Hospital. So but, hey. Yes. I don't I don't think enough people saw the Donahue show to make a huge difference. It was terrible in the Well, I think the media spread the after that. I mean, when you're on when you're on ESPN, when you're on, you know, it I mean, is, I think there was many more shows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it didn't it was only to Marks and only to um uh, only to people that were looking for it. Like it was a very small a very very small amount of people. Like, uh, and that, that Donnie, yeah. it did not hurt him. He knew what he was doing. He would have <laughs> never yeah. gone on Donnie if, if he would have destroyed that, his company. When you look at the financial cliff he fell off of, like, not like three months later or four months later, but it, I don't know. Didn't. Well, I don't know anymore. Not even like, that. He like, did. Yeah. To, to your point. It guys, was like, risk averse. He, he knew the up and down, whether he went and lost the crowd, he still thinks going out there and, and no, doing saying his story yeah. would have, and no, it didn't, and he was fine. At this moment. Obviously, he does his private investigation. Pat is brought back. Yes. But now he's the booker and referee for the Lawrence Taylor <laughs> and Bam Bam Bigelow main event at WrestleMania 11 in 1995. There's so much to unpack here. Because wow. We're not even different. So I th- <laughs> wow. Okay. It's, it speeds up. It speeds up. It does speed up. That's 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 the thing. What you have to understand is where, where everything was coming from on the Phil Donahue show steroids all this stuff right and where but donahue wasn't about patterson himself like right can we just agree like before we move on like we spent a lot of time worrying about donahue and patterson patterson wasn't necessarily all of this donahue he was just a small part of it right patterson was termed he was when they were covering the sexual abuse all three of the 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 people that said they all mentioned patterson's name from 1959 to 81 and i retired when i came back in 84 chicago commentator Believe you me, the world of wrestling that I left and the one that I found, it was bizarre. I mean, it was filled with drugs of all kinds. We're talking about steroids, but there was cocaine. In fact, this man who pretends like he wasn't aware, why didn't somebody come to me? One time I had to go to Arizona, to New Mexico. And, it, and uh, superstar and, Billy Graham and, said he and, saw and Patterson. Pat Patterson is termed, yeah. and he's brought back after yeah. the investigation. Now, to recover from everything you're talking about, maybe more steroids, maybe some sexual you know, allegations, right? Pat Patterson is brought back to now run a match at WrestleMania where the main event, Jess's point, is Lawrence Taylor, who is not a wrestler, and Bam Bam Bigelow. This is why I connected when Craig said that. I, I... I, until Craig told me that factoid about WrestleMania one, I always this thought is, that well Patterson was the referee in there because again he had to hold T was so he, inexperienced. He's the referee yeah, here yeah, to hold yeah. it together though. This is yeah. this is someone who's never wrestled at any stage and level. And Lawrence Taylor, who is a fantastic athlete, Lawrence Taylor, 
He's he's yes. a monster, but he's, he's not a, a wrestler. And it you know Pat Patterson has to come in here to save this too to make sure this works. Tell these guys what to do. He who is the ring general at this moment? It's probably Pat Patterson. And this is how hard things get. In order to put butts in seats, you have to put Lawrence Taylor on the ticket in WrestleMania 11 and 1995. I'm just, I'm just. It, no, and it, it was, yeah. And again, we didn't, we just thought, oh, they're bringing back the first Intercontinental Champion. Come too. on, bananas. You know, oh, come amazing. on, let me referee. But really, yeah. now that we look about it and we dissect it, he was there to be like, I'm going to help call the match with Bigelow and LT. Yeah. I need to be mm-hmm. in there. And you know he booked probably all of it. He booked and, it and then and, he called it. And LT came through, and I have to say it. No, like, they, they did great. I'm not saying yeah. it should have been the main event. That's a debate for a different world. But at the same time, like they for that match and what it was worth, they did good, very good. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, sorry. Uh, like as far as an it. athlete, that's the best athlete match that um, <laughs> I, I think. It's like Jesus. Uh, WWE Jesus. has ever had. Take a piss right in the middle of the segment. There you go. Out, outside outside Davis, of wrestling, yeah. I think Davis being under the table. Were you pouring a drink? I just heard water running. I was like Davis peeing. That's right not now. me. I, 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 was that me? I don't know. I don't know. Are you? Are you pissing? I, I did hear water. I'm are sorry. It wasn't me though. Um. <laughs> Craig's pouring like you know in the backdrop um but what what's even what's even crazier is that this takes us to 1997 oh, yeah. where we have a little fun with Mr. Yes. Patterson along with Mr. Gerald Briscoe where they become the Stooges and an on-screen character set known as the Stooges right they're oh, lackeys yeah. to Mr. McMahon uh in his character uh during his feud with Austin in the Attitude Era this is some of the best part of wrestling. I can't believe it! Can you believe that? How is David Scott? The Legion of Doom! Wait, wait, wait a minute! Come on, look at him! Oh, please, King! The Legion of Doom! <laughs> that's Patterson and Briscoe! Mr. McMahon, what is, what's this all about? No, wait, that's talking animal! I know what it is! screen presence <laughs> all oh, yeah, the way yeah. into 2000. Um, you know what, cuz... Why don't you talk about some of your favorite moments of the Attitude Era and the Stooges with Well, most Pat of these Patterson. segments were, I mean, this is where, you know, I got to see Pat Patterson on screen live all the time, other than, you know, him on commentary or whatever, going back and watching him as a ref in uh, some matches. But I, I remember Stone Cold, and you could always see it every time he would beat the shit out of him. Uh, I, I don't know if it was, I think he had a podcast with either Joel Briscoe or Pat Patterson. Man, I used to throw potatoes at you guys all the time. And you guys would take it like a champ, like a <laughs> broken skull ranch, beer, get it? Uh, but yeah, no, th- these were some of my favorite times and some of the funniest moments too uh, for me, remembering uh, Pat Patterson as far as on screen. They made it work out well. Like the Stooges yes. were so funny and they complimented Mr. McMahon so yes. well. Oh, they we did the. <laughs> yeah, you, we're also going to release the Armageddon review 2000 yes. and Vince comes down on a cane and he makes Patterson. 
He's using the cane to yeah. climb up the oh, ring shit. stairs and he makes yeah. Patterson get down and adjust it. And like, I'm laughing so hard. Like the Stooges played Fuck a big yeah. part in because when they didn't want Austin to get to Vince, <laughs> Vince got to well, the Stooges, yeah, exactly. which would pop the crowd. But Vince would get away. And like, that's the whole they would be in there taking Pat Patterson bumps. and Gerald Briscoe were such big parts. They're taking oh, my stunners. Gosh, yeah. And I mean, you need a you yeah. need a great supporting cast. Right. And in, in every great movie with great actors, you need a great supporting cast. The Stooges were the fucking they're the cop. The comic relief, in a sense, and they were always taking the beatings when, you know, Vince like, I'm not taking a beating tonight. You guys go out there, you know, and Stone Cold throwing those potatoes at their heads, and yeah, there's some of the greatest and best moments of of the Attitude Era. What do you mean I burn your eyes? You think I burn your eyes? Well, take that! Good God! Yeah! Patterson! Patterson! Come on, Briscoe! For two years, those guys took yeah. everything. Every yeah. single Montana thing. Those guys took it all. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. And uh, and that went through, like I said, I listed too. It went all the way to the year 2000, which was, that was a long yeah. run, mm-hmm. you know, especially when wrestling started speeding up at that time because you had the Monday Night Wars, live Raw every week. Then after in 99, they introduced SmackDown. And so it was just kind of wrestling was just moving at warp speed. And for them to last like three and a half years like that is kind of cool. And a lot, every, I say a lot of people, most people remember the Stooges. They remember who they were. Uh, and that's how a lot of people like Cuz says, like, that's the first thing that he thinks of when he thinks of Pat Patterson. There's so many different layers yeah. that you can remember. So oh, many different generations. Oh, you can that remember. Because, yeah. You know, yeah. That's when the internet, you know, in the 2000s when it started blowing up. And that's when I started realizing, like, you know, reading the dirt sheets and everything. Wow, Pat Patterson, man, he he invented the Rumble and um, first Intercontinental Champion, and you know he was responsible for this finish and that finish. It's like, man, Pat Patterson, I didn't know it when I was a kid, but he was one of the reasons why I was liking WWE, and it wasn't actually him on screen; it was because of what he was doing behind the scenes, writing the finishes, and yeah, you know, coming up with all the great ideas. We're right in line with you, Dave, to the 2004 Pat Patterson. <laughs> We we did honor. We spaced yeah. it out perfect for you. We're in the Dave. We're in the 1967. Uh, F- yeah, FCW. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe in any of you. Um, in 2004, Patterson retired from the company, but he returned a year later in 2005 as a booking creative consultant and segment producer. He's made many guest appearances linked to the IC title and backstage segments at, at the Raw anniversary shows over the years. He even won the WWF Hardcore title. Uh, and 24-7 title. He remained part of the WWE family until his death just recently this week in 2020. Do you guys want to get into the outside world of wrestling with Pat Patterson? Yeah. Um, You know, to be really frank about it, you know, Pat Patterson... (laughs) And I could be totally wrong. He's the first openly gay man in wrestling that I know of. Probably ever um, mm. back in back in those days, which is pretty impressive. So um, he was openly gay. He came out in the 1970s. Aside from the occasional tongue and cheek jokes on commentary, his sexuality was never acknowledged or main part of the WWE storyline. His first and only time where he did acknowledge it came on the season finale of WWE Legends mm. House reality show. Um, this was in 2014 on the WWE Network. In that scene, he talked openly about being gay and the stigma that followed him as a result of that. 
Um, he would go on to say his life partner, uh, Louis Dondero, he passed away from a heart attack in 1998. They were together for 40 years. 40 years. Poor guy, man. I mean, I, I mean there's not too many people that say Yeah, that. He, he doesn't get to claim uh, the first openly gay wrestler and that kind of... Uh, oh. that that um, That legend house comes uh, was kind of bullshit, too. So... While I respect him so much for what he did and the uh, being closeted uh, outwardly, um, but everyone knew he was gay. He was not the first. Um, he was not the first openly gay wrestler. And I do not. Uh, I, who's your, it leaves a who's bad your, taste in my mouth. Uh, who, that that legend house. Enlighten us. Who's the who first it? openly gay wrestler? I don't know. I actually don't know who the first is, but it's like for Patterson to go on to, in 2014 to cry I on stage, uh, cry in that, yeah. in that, to cry in that. Uh, it, we all know that what reality shows would become, we all would learn over yeah. time once they became popular, that they were staged and kind of more scripted than actual Especially shows. considering the, yeah. uh, the conflict with Roddy anyway, Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah. yeah. It was a so, very strange, like, uh, but not true. Like, I think they Pat just Patterson's wanted to finally forced... get it out there for him, like, and do it. And it was, again, that was the theme of that episode. And they wanted to give yeah. you something, you know, a, 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 something to chew on about the Pat Patterson, who he yeah. is and everything. I think that's why they did it. Yeah. He was so much better than just, like, summing up in a, in a little shitty, like, uh, network, Cri- yeah, half an hour show the table, yeah. with Piper and Tony Alice. Oh, bad. So are you? Are you? Come on, are, you are you okay, are you, trying, are you trying to argue that like Darren Young is the first openly gay wrestler where it happened that you'll be an openly? No, I think uh, uh, I no. It was that. way before. Like there yeah. were. Nah. All right, I'm just asking the question. I, mean, sure. I uh, yeah, I guess Patterson never admitted it on camera, but like oh, uh, other than like shitty uh, that opportunistic uh <laughs> network show but like maybe no respect to darren young for what he did like i guess um as far as he being a wrestler with, with, with for federation on the line to do it yeah he no. said yeah i'm gay so what yeah i think you're right it was, like, it was like a tmz situation where it happened i think almost yeah. i think darren young just say i'm gay i'm a wrestler on a deal with it yeah on a yeah. a first-rate federation yeah where he was already like, yeah, and at that point it was WWE was all which is which is strange because like um, Patterson backstage, uh, like he everyone knew, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's that, that, that was the cross because I remember that 2014 moment, and then I also when I was doing the research too, it was they were like he was openly gay since the 70s, like you know he right, yeah, everybody right. knew it. Right. It, it was just, and it really is a, a, a statement to say about how secret wrestling was, like. They're only going to let things out. If they want to hype it, you'll know about it. But if not, they won't. Like, and even after the Attitude Era kind of lifted the curve and we make movies, pal. And when they did all that, too, they still chose to keep his sexuality. They could have written it in with as crazy as the Attitude Era got. We saw some crazy shit. 98, 99, 2000. It never happened. It never. Yeah, it never happened. Get May Young gave birth to a hand. Like, you know, we saw everything. And they never once even tiptoed around that. So I find that interesting. And maybe it was out of respect for Pat, but Vince doesn't respect anybody. When Jim Ross had a uh, colon cancer, you know, they did the fucking segment where they pulled Jim Ross's head out of his ass on that skit the next day, like on whatever they, you know, Vince has never really respected anyone's private life. If you work for me, you're public. But for some reason, the Patterson gayness thing, 
Vince was really his best friend. I think Vince knew, okay, I'm not ever going to ask it to do anything like that. I'm never going to like push that. It's it's, it's weird. So to it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys um, ready for the awards? Well, I found out it, and ironic oh. too, that he legally changed his yeah. name to Pat Patterson in 2008. Yeah. Which is funny that he waited that long. Yeah. I, I want a cuz final analysis of Pat Patterson. Final, what? All right. No, yeah, there you go. Awards and accomplishments. Dave don't like Pat Patterson, Patterson was an AWA tag team champion with Ray Stevens, NWA Florida tag team champion with Ivan Koloff, NWA Florida TV champion. He was the New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling AWA North American tag team champion with Johnny Powers. He was the first. Which might be the best wrestling name Ch- ever. Go on. Johnny, Johnny Powers. Powers. Is that a real Johnny name? Johnny Powers. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Almost as good as Jim Jesus. Powers. There yeah. you go. Uh, WWF Intercontinental Champion for the first time ever. No one can take that away from Mr. Patterson. He was a WWF Hardcore Champion, a 24-7 champion. He was a North American Champion. He had the Wrestling Observer Match of the Year with Sergeant Slaughter and a boot camp match in 1991. And also, um, the, uh, but Dave, I'm going to yeah. stop you. Because you're an Stop asshole right, right there. there. <laughs> he also had a worst match of the year with Gerald Briscoe in like a... Uh, he did. I I purposely that left that out right. because that was part of the Attitude Era. Yeah, it was like a bad... It was like an yeah. evening gown match or something like that. It was like uh, yes. So he had that. I remember that. Yeah. He has the distinction yeah. of best match of the year and worst, and worst match, match of the year. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you can't have one with it the other, I, I assume. Uh, Wrestling is River Hall of Fame... In 1996, he was a WWE Hall of Famer in 96 as well. And then PWI gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award for the Stanley Weston Award in 2004. Pat Patterson, guys, final thoughts, because well, like I, I think s- you're just Well, I was going to say, like, like I was kind of saying um, when you had left, when we were talking about the Stooge era, um, that, you know, that's when I was more introduced to Pat Patterson um and then you um that that's when the internet was blowing up too and that's when i started realizing holy shit he was responsible for the royal rumble he was the first intercontinental champion he was responsible for all these finishes little did i know that i was already introduced to pat just pat backstage and writing all this magic and the songwriter like you said earlier he was writing all these great fucking songs and and i didn't know who the songwriter was and you know that that's a testament to pat patterson that He'll live on through his character as the Stooges, his time as a professional wrestler, being the first Intercontinental title or champion, uh, creating the Royal Rumble, and all these great mm-hmm. finishes that all these memories that last with us because of him. Craig, no, because uh, said it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I you know his contribution to the business we could talk about for another two hours easily. Um, so I think he should be remembered for that, but also even for his flaws, like Craig said in the beginning too, he's a flawed human being. Um, whether or not he did what he was accused of, it's time to learn from it. So I think Pat Patterson can service us in two different places. We can respect his creativity and what he brought to the sport with the finishes and, and the the way he flowed matches and the way he kind of brought that new Japan flair to the American wrestling for us and did all that. And if any of that negative stuff was true, uh, we don't do that stuff again. And we learn from it and we don't repeat it if it is true. 
I think that's a perfect way to tie a bow on him and, and kind of circle back. And you could celebrate all the great stuff and you could also learn from the bad stuff it, if it's true. Um, I think that's Pat Patterson. I think that uh, we're going to see a lot of tributes and we have seen a lot of great tributes and a lot of wrestlers yeah. coming yeah. forward on social media. Yeah. Uh, and you never know, you know, when the dust settles, maybe some negative things will come out. Uh, I hope they don't. Uh, over the, you know, the next few months to a year or whatever, as they usually do when someone passes away, you get the well, goodbyes. And, and, if, you know. if, if needed to move us forward, I hope they do. I mean, yeah. And like I said, if, if we learn from it and we figure out, OK, we don't do go. that anymore. That's not how we do things now. Uh, I, OK, I accept that. And we move forward. So Pat Patterson is a, a legend, um, an icon of not just the creative process, but just of the production process. You know, everybody likes to talk about, uh, you know, Bruce Pritchard and all those guys or whatever. But Patterson had it in him, man. He was producing people, probably just bumping into them in the hallway at catering. He would get into a meaningful conversation about what he felt they should do that evening or what they should do. He was producing people probably when he was just asking them, how's your family? How's your day? He was finding a way to talk to them. And you know what you should do is this and that. And every great mind knows how to do that. And they don't even try. They just do it. And uh, he loved the business. He lived from the business. And I think that's that's when you get those creative people that you can't touch. You're just like, he had it. You can't teach that, right? You can't like uh, write everything down that you know, Patterson, because he couldn't do it for you. He would just, he just knew like I was passionate. And when I saw something, I told them how to do it. And we all said it before. He told Vince, no, you need to do this. He didn't ask permission. He didn't do anything. He's like, no, you got to do this. I was sitting in the crowd. I felt it. You got to do it. And Vince respected that. And Vince was like, okay. Or, or Vince would put his spin on it and do it, but yet position himself to where he could parlay into something else. And that's that team, man, that, that, that those two uh, nope. can never be duplicated. And I think that's, uh, that's what yeah. we're, we're experiencing now. We got to find a way. Maybe Michaels and Triple H behind the scenes will become that. And, uh, you know, when Vince does pass or whatever. What? Craig's favorite wrestler, Triple H, might. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, and I think that you know, you never know. They could, they could be. I know Craig woke up right there. Excuse me, what the fuck did you say? What did you, what did you just say to me? I'm sorry, I heard Mike's and Triple H. Mike, we will Triple H. Pat Patterson could always tell Vince where to go, right? Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And anything we talk about today is inspired by the WWE Network. So do yourself a favor and get your free month today to watch anything WWE, WCW, ECW, and more. This is Dave, Jess, Cuz, and Craig with the OWP signing off. Have a good one. Oh, come on. Let a base. Now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll see it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I live a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway and more, much more than this. 
I did it my way. 